Are you lost in the chaotic whirlwind of day-to-day busyness? Do you yearn for a deeper sense of meaning and purpose in your life? Welcome to Be You, Your Story, Your Purpose, the podcast dedicated to empowering women on their journey of self-discovery and finding their true purpose through their own story. I'm your host, Brenda Simmons. Welcome to the Be You, Your Story, Your Purpose podcast. Today, my guest is Melissa Bickford, and she is an executive in the software industry, and she's going to tell us a little bit about that, as well as some of the other things that she has experienced. Through all these experiences, she has found a clear North Star that guides everything that she does, and she focuses on turning her pain into purpose. She has carved out a global banking and tech career across Australia, USA, and the UK over the past 15 years. She has developed a deep passion for helping others achieve their fullest potential, both professionally and personally. Mel has a keen interest in her own personal growth and development, health and wellness, tennis, running, yoga, and she even is a DJ. She has recently entered the world of podcasting and is so excited to be here to share her some of her experiences and hopefully give some hope to those around her. Thank you so much, Mel, for taking the time out to be here with us today. We're excited to have you. Thank you so much, Brenda. And wow, what an intro. It's a it's a real pleasure to be here. Well, I was looking at your intro and all the things that you've done, and I was hoping you would give us a little bit of a background on on what you've done, maybe starting with your career and then heading Mm -hmm. into some of the challenges that you have faced. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it can be really difficult when you're 18 years old, um, finishing high school, trying to figure out what university degree to study. And for me, I chose quite a broad degree, uh, that being a Bachelor of Commerce, majoring in management and marketing. I'd always really enjoyed uh, leadership in school and was a, a keen member of the sports teams, as as you might guess, based on my hobbies these days. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think something um, that became quite clear to me as I was studying was just how business driven I was and, and how much I loved that idea of like rallying people around a goal, whether that was a, a university group project um, or uh, you know, trying to to win a tennis match, um, and I think that's that's what really um, led me to to want to start my career in in banking to to sort of get my foundations, I suppose, in in a huge organization on a graduate scheme. Um, and I would definitely recommend that if we have any sort of younger listeners, um, really uh, getting your foot in the door in a graduate program is such a valuable way to experience um, all different departments of an organization um, and start to build your network. I think that's such an important thing in your career. And I would say that um, all of, yeah, all of my opportunities sort of from that point um, when I launched uh, out of banking after a great few years, but really was looking for something a little bit more innovative um, and fast paced. And uh, when I was 25, um, I grew up in Melbourne, but when I was 25, I decided to pack up and and move over to the big city, New York City, um, with two suitcases and a head full of dreams. And that is a um, huge jump. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. And I think that's sort of, yeah, I guess that's a bit of a defining characteristic of my journey is um, I seem to often place myself outside of my comfort zone. And it doesn't mean that it's not challenging, 
my poor mum gets panicked calls still to this day about, oh, maybe I've pushed myself a little bit too far in a scary direction. But ultimately, you know, that's where the growth happens and um, any sort of, you know, mistakes or trip-ups or failures you might make along the way are what ultimately lead you to, to be successful. Um, so I was, yeah, really uh, fortunate to to land a, a great job when I got to New York and that's when I moved into tech. Um, so I started working in software about 10 years ago when I moved over to America. Um, and I think what I found so exciting and exhilarating after being in such a big corporation was being in, you know, working in Soho in New York and just being able to have the autonomy to really get things done. And all of a sudden I was this 25 year old who was managing people and making business decisions and consulting for brands like Apple and Airbnb and um, Coty and, and, you know, some really exciting businesses. And um, from that point, I just decided like, this is, this is what I want to do. Like I want to work with businesses, consult with them on their marketing strategies or um, whatever, you know, that might grow into based on software companies I might, might work at. Um, but really have that variety. Um, and I think, you know, being someone who just really thrives on building relationships, but really grounding those in, particularly in the business world, in um, making sure they're mutually beneficial and um, and that both businesses are, are, are getting positive results out of that engagement. And I think the the one other piece that I really started to, to feel super passionate about was growing others in their career and starting to lead teams. And, and that's when I got the opportunity to move over to San Francisco to set up the West Coast office, um, which was a, an unexpected pivot in my journey over to London. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, because why not just pop over to the West Coast? Why not? I mean, if you're going to move, <laughs> go big, right? <laughs> exactly. And you know what? It was it was a great year. It was unexpected. And initially I was hesitant because it was just, you know, I had stars in my eyes. New York was the dream. But I'm so pleased that I did spend that year in California. I think, you know, being an active person, being able to run the Lake Tahoe half marathon, being able to wow. ski Lake Tahoe and, you know, spend spend time in nature, being um, someone, you know, from Australia, that's, that's very much sort of how I grew up, being able to go to the, the beach or by the bay and um, yeah, I think that was that was definitely another experience being a little bit out of my comfort zone, um, but certainly one I'm really grateful for. Um, but I'll, I'll pause there um, just for a moment just to see if you've got any kind of um, insights or questions well, on that journey to date. I grew up in the Bay Area, and so my mind is like, the Bay Area is awesome because there really is, is so many things to see there, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it, there are a lot of people, and I think people when they say California, they say busy, but there's, you get out of the cities and oh mm-hmm. my goodness, there's so many amazing things to see in the Bay area. I, I, it was a wonderful place to grow up. So I yeah. love that. And having done big moves myself, I haven't done, well, I actually have done um, continental moves before, but mm-hmm. it is such a, it's a challenge to move, not only, mm-hmm. I mean, locally, but when you're moving into different cultures, that poses some different challenges as well. So what have you learned from, from that outside of the box experience? Yeah, it's a great question. I think being adaptable to change and open-minded is, is so important. Um, but I think you know, ultimately being authentically yourself is is key. I, I remember when I first moved to America, I really changed the way that I spoke <laughs> to try and, really? um, you know, assimilate. And I think there's just, um, 
some examples like uh, sidewalk pavement or, um, you know, the trunk of a car versus the boot of a car. And I remember right. thinking like, wow, this is almost like trying to learn French or something <laughs> and the spelling's different. But, you know, I think I I actually love, you know, I consider myself to be quite, a you know, a global citizen. I've, you know, I, I really thrive in um in lots of different cities around the world. And what I love is that I've been able to take away the bits that that I resonate most most with and and love the most. And I think something I, I loved about my time in the US was that go-getter attitude and that like, you know, everyone's just like wanting to make the best of themselves and and the pace was unprecedented, almost to the point where I felt like I, I lived like five years in one when I lived in New York. Wow. It was nonstop. Yeah, there are times when I'm like, can we all just slow down? Just, yeah, just, just take like, it down a couple notches and yeah, enjoy, just, just smell the two, roses. Two week, <laughs> right, two week pause. And I remember thanks, Thanksgiving when that rolled around after my first year in the US, I was like, Oh, everyone actually does stop for these four yes. days. This is nice. Yes, they do. Yep, <laughs> and sure. that is a tradition, actually, to your point that I I have fondly kept with me, even though I've lived in the UK now for the last oh, seven wonderful. years. We often do Friendsgiving celebrations over here. And I think that's such a beautiful holiday that, you I know, anyone that. and everyone, no matter what your background, can celebrate. But that's I love how you've tweaked that to just make it your own. That's fantastic. Mm. So what then? So you were in San Francisco and then yeah. did you go to the UK from... San Francisco? You, you know what? And this is where I suppose love starts to play a role in my story ah, because okay. when I was in the US, I met um, a boy that I would date for a couple of years um, and he was French. Um, and so by the time that we both kind of, we met in New York and fell in love and um, I was already on my way to move to San Francisco and he was on his way to move to Champagne in, in France. And so we did a bit of long distance and then ultimately um, I decided that, you know, I, I was ready for a little bit of a, a mini sabbatical. Um, I tend to do that between jobs. I tend to take a couple of months to to reset and travel for a bit. And um, yeah, that's definitely been um, a real mind opening and sort of adventure experience that I've been lucky to have over the course of my career. Um, but yeah, I actually went to Champagne for a few months um, and it didn't work out with the with the Frenchman, but I decided that I loved being in in the sort of EMEA Europe area. And that was right around the time pre-Brexit, but then Brexit did happen like quite right. shortly afterwards. And um, I, yeah, you know, I think London is a pretty easy um, transition as an Australian being part of the Commonwealth, we get a working holiday visa. I would definitely, if there are any Australian listeners or Commonwealth listeners who are under 35, like recommend that working holiday visa um, because it was, you know, it gives you that um, option to move to a country for two or three years and not be bound by um, a sponsorship visa from another company. And right. I actually did find that to be, um, you know, just a, a challenging aspect of, of working in the US because at any point, you know, you're sort of at the mercy of your employer um, to whether right. you can stay in the country or not. And if you don't not. have that job, you're gone, right? Exactly. Wow. And like yeah, that's, got, there, that's like an underlying stress, right? It, it was a I little bit, yeah. Thought about that. yeah. Yeah. And so that, yeah, I would say it's sort of um, things became a little bit more relaxed when I settled into the UK and I, and I didn't really expect to to necessarily stay beyond a couple of years but I think once you start to build your communities around you and and I think also yeah. the UK is quite culturally aligned to Australia a little bit colder a little bit less uh sort of seaside in close proximity but right. I think the thing I love about London where I where I still reside and and very much call home is that there's just as much opportunity as there is in a city like New York but 
it's it's a little bit more sustainable. It's a little bit more spread out. There are so many parks and it might take a little bit longer to get to a neighborhood to see your friend. But I think that just gives you just gives me a little bit more peace of mind that um, the pace is ever so slightly slower. Um, and you've also got Europe on your doorstep. So it's pretty hard to say no to a work trip to, Mil- to Milan right. or Paris. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just, I took a, a trip over to Italy this fall and oh, amazing. What re- I mean, it was just an amazing trip, but one of the things mm. that really struck me was just how small the countries are, you know, having yes. lived almost my whole life inside the U S it's like, yeah. well, when I went out, I went to Brazil. And so that was like just as big. Wow. Right. And so to go to Europe where Italy is smaller than California, like it blows my mind. Like they have their own language and culture and like, it just yeah. it blows my mind, you know, and then you've got all of these other countries like that. So, so yeah, I mean, just an amazing place to be. That's super cool. Totally. And I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I think you have four or so different time zones in the U S alone and we're all kind of on the same time. Yes. Zone. I mean, Europe has one and we have one and there's just, it's so culturally rich. Um, to spend, you know, even if it's just a, a few weeks, you can get so much out of it, let alone maybe, oh, yeah. you know, if you could spend a, a year living abroad. Like, I think, you know, this part of the world is such a fantastic place to do it for weekend trips and and just broadening your horizons. I think when you're in a new country or a new city, you start to see things from different perspectives. And I think that's so important to being a well-rounded person. And um, yeah, it keeps things exciting too, trying to learn a little bit of French or Italian and keep your mind fresh. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. And I love the experiences that you've had. Now, those aren't the only ones that you have though. So I'm going to ask you to to go a little bit deeper because I know that this is part of your story. So we talked a little bit about some of the challenges that you've had. Can you Mm -hmm. explain some of those? Um, so that we can get an idea of like the whole you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for me, I'll start with a career challenge um, and then would love to dive into some more personal ones. But I think on the, while we're kind of still on the theme of career, I think um, something that I really struggle with, particularly when I'm early on in a company is imposter syndrome and um but also perfectionism and Mm. there's this people pleasing sort of uh little girl in me who has always wanted to do the right thing and and fears I suppose getting in trouble for you know not that I really do get in trouble but it's it's more just that you know I think a lot of us um certainly as you know try and raise these topics with friends and and um and normalize the conversation a little bit. But I think a lot of us um, are so hard on ourselves and, and particularly as women um, to, you know, to, to get, to get it perfectly right and to um, maybe compromise on our own boundaries and, um, and give more than, than really what we should be giving to, to our career. And, and, you know, I don't have children, but um, in particular, you know, I, I know many mothers find that so, so difficult and, struggle with you know those different identities and I think it can be um yeah it can be really crippling um and I certainly um have suffered with anxiety um like sort of medically diagnosed generalized anxiety disorder at different times in my life more than others and and I would say that um certainly um in my career there have been a few phases where it, it has impacted my ability to to you know to do my best in the role and and I think a lot of that unfortunately, is sort of me being my own worst enemy and letting that demon get the better of me, that inner critic right. that, um, yeah. And I think I, 
I, I struggled with that on and off for, for a number of years. And I think it's only sort of since actually sort of reached a breaking point and hit burnout in my previous company. And that's what led me to take a couple of months off this, this past summer and really change the way I live and, and kind of implement um, a completely new lifestyle around health and wellness and um, really looking after my mind in, in new ways. But I think um, it's, yeah, it, we shouldn't necessarily need to get to that point where um, we are medically incapacitated um, and, and you know, unable to sort of function um, in, in the world. And I think so much of that pressure um, can come from ourselves. And I think I'm, I'm really trying to, to, I think prevention, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And I think the more that you can prevent and just have your your habits and routines in place um, and stick to those uh, around, you know, sleep. Sleep is one that I actually have have always on and off had had struggles with. I don't know if you can relate to that at all. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I'm curious, you know, with with having to deal with imposter syndrome and perfectionism mm. and the anxiety, do you think all of those were exacerbated by pursuing um, top level positions in business? Mm. Because there, there does seem to be added pressure to that. Mm. Um, so was it like that for you? I mean, that's, you know, at least in, in my own experience, you know, because you, you are leading other people and you've got to set a bar and, and all that mm -hmm. stuff. So did you, do you feel like pursuing a career at a top level where the pace is so much higher, mm. do you think that exacerbated that? Or do you think it would have been like that no matter what? And I'm not saying that that was a bad yeah. choice or anything. I'm just mm. curious what the dynamics of that were. Yeah. I think honestly, for me, it's no matter what, I think I could yeah. be, you know, I'm, um, whether I'm uh, doing something around the house, like I'll criticize myself for like, that will be my sort of default position that sort of like, yeah. uh, beating myself up. And, and I think the, the interesting thing is like, I think the more we can try to help, help lift others up and help them see themselves from another perspective. Um, I've always had that feedback right from the beginning of my career, even when I was very junior, um, believe in yourself, like you can do it. And I think it's it's a lifelong quest to actually become that and, and really sort of feel like that, you know, you, you've got that inner confidence. And um, I do think it it can be easy to create that validation from others and sort of external mm -hmm. sources, but really coming back to yourself. And, and I think that, a big part of that is liking who you are and being proud of who you are and yes. having that relationship with yourself. So, yeah, I think I I don't probably help myself by pursuing these big, big jobs with big targets and big teams, but I think I also get so much enjoyment out of that on the flip side. And um, yeah. I've loved the, the sort of opportunities it's afforded me to, to, you know, live all over the world and travel all over the world and live, you know, a, a really, um, a, just a really nice lifestyle um so but it's trade-offs isn't it that it really is but and sometimes I feel like you know everything has an opposite right and so mm. like the greater the pain that you feel also the more capacity for joy that you have yes. because of that you know and so I mean I honestly admire you for going big you know even though you've got I, I honestly feel like some of the bravest people in the world 
are those who deal with anxiety and depression and show up anyway, you know, and, and and it's, I, I think they're just amazing people, you know? And you know what? And yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think um, more recently I've started to learn some of the benefits of having anxiety and, um, and, and even, you know, I, I did struggle a little bit with alcohol consumption in, in my past. And, and I think the, the flip side of things like addiction and anxiety is huge capacity for creativity. And it's like a mind that actually is so busy that can produce so much that sometimes you just feel you need an escape from. And it's, um, there's, there's a lot of beauty, um, in the world because of people who have minds like that. If you think about all of the art and creativity out there and, um, some of, some of that sort of, um, yeah, more thought thought provoking, um, types of content we consume and, and art that we view and films that we go and see that, that entertain us, um, I think, you know, music's a great example and a hobby of mine that you touched on is, you know, so many songs that I love the lyrics of um, actually are, you know, artists sharing their pain with the world and making mm-hmm. it beautiful. Um, and so that's, I suppose, I've started more more recently this, this year, really, when I've gone on this journey to become the truest and most authentic and best version of myself to really start to see the beauty in the pain. I really love how you're seeing the benefits of a challenge, right? I mean, it's, so I've got a daughter who's very empathic and for years and years, she has felt like it was this massive burden. And, Mm -hmm. um, I've always thought, my gosh, what an amazing gift, but I don't know what that, what that feels like to her, you know? And so she's just recently starting to see some benefits to it. And I, I agree with you. I, man, I, I think when you've, when you have a challenge like that and you can see what you learned from it or how you've grown from it or just mm-hmm. additional capabilities that you have because of that challenge. Wow. That puts it in a whole different perspective. You know, like that's really beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You can start to actually be, you can take the gift from it and be really grateful for it. And I think there's, you know, by no means does it mean it's always easy, but I think, the more we can practice gratitude and um, mindfulness. And um, and I think, you know, journaling has really helped me a lot in getting to, you know, the, the root of understanding maybe why some of these behaviours um, surface and, and uh, yeah, why, why I talk to myself in certain ways. And it's like if you just unpack that a little bit and explore it more and let yourself be free to, to create and, and to play and to have fun yeah. with it, yeah, I think that that's where a lot of the untapped beauty kind of lies within. I agree. I Playing is something that I have struggled with because I get so focused on what I'm trying to do that I'm that I now I've even go, OK, well, how can I ma- gamify and play with what I'm working on now? You know, because I think we forget <laughs> as women, you know, we just go, 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 go. And sometimes we do stop or don't mm-hmm. stop to to really just enjoy life. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, as someone who previously probably lent more into unhealthy coping mechanisms than, than I really probably should have, or uh, I didn't necessarily know better at the time, but now I realize actually 
the the best kind of dopamine and escape is dancing and going to an ecstatic dance class, putting on some amazing music, getting a massage, um, taking care of yourself, um, going on a huge walk or a run. And there's, you know, there's nothing better than the the natural real endorphins that you can get from a lot of that stuff that, that is not necessarily the, it's not the easy option, but I think what I've realized is there are no shortcuts to success. <laughs> Boy, and you know what? When you learn that, like it's just yeah. I think we always like go for like what's the fastest, easiest way? But that's not always totally. the best. So you've no. mentioned twice now, you know, going into a little bit of substance abuse. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that? How you fell into that trap? And then how did you get out? Because sometimes that's that's really tough for people to get out of that situation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it probably comes back to like there were there were always little patches over the course of my 20s that where I would um, probably just take it a little bit too far, but I wouldn't have called it like a full, fully fledged addiction to alcohol right. at the time. It was probably just going a little bit harder than some of my friends and um, and maybe doing say, saying things and doing things I wasn't that proud of. Um, and I think, you know, it all began with wanting to kind of just feel relaxed because it was that anxiety that I was feeling. And I remember right. when I first started drinking alcohol, I was like, oh, I can just, you know, have a sigh of, right. sigh of relief and, um, and finally just relax a bit. And, and I guess what it also allowed me to do was to sort of, I could shape shift to sort of fit the version of what I thought other people wanted me to be. Um, and that would sort of become a pattern in, in my romantic relationships. And, um, and I suppose it was, you know, my therapist called it the red shoes, like performing and, and thinking that I needed to be larger than life um, because I was maybe just a little bit uncomfortable in the skin I was in and, and a little bit awkward. And I think that's another thing that can come with um, having anxiety is that you, you can feel really awkward in, in some scenarios. And, and that's also just being human. Um, and it was, again, yeah, it was sort of a bit of a quick fix. And I would say it, my abuse of alcohol or my relationship with alcohol really sort of hit rock bottom around the time that my, so I got married in the pandemic um, and that relationship wasn't, wasn't particularly healthy. It wasn't a particularly great dynamic and it didn't, I suppose it didn't make either of us a better version of ourselves. And I think that's, that's really what you want. You know, you want to be with someone who you can be comfortable with, who you can um, be relaxed around, who you can be your authentic self with and, and, that marriage wasn't that. Um, and so sort of in the relationship, we would drink a lot, I suppose, to medicate and, and be able to, as a social lubricant, be able to communicate because communication was, was a challenge in, in that relationship. And I think really when it got to the point where the, the only option was to, to separate and ultimately divorce, that's kind of where I hit a bit of a rock bottom. And that's yeah. where I, it all sunk in. And I was like, well, that was sort of the biggest I mean, I'll call it a failure. I think, you know, failures are beautiful and they are what define us and, and help us succeed in the future. But that I sort of, I let myself, I let myself go, just go a little bit out of control. And, and that's kind of when the, the solo drinking behind closed doors happened for a, a fairly, you know, brief period of time, but it was a really dark, sad time. And I was in pain and I was trying to numb that pain. And I think it, it, that was the point, you know, a couple of years ago where it was like drinking was no longer fun. It was, a, you know, a, a medication to right. to not have to be in pain and to not have to sort of be 
be sitting with myself. I was, I couldn't just sort of sit with myself. And um, yeah, I think that that was really tough. And I was fortunate to have great support around me. And, you know, a few friends um, did uh, intervene at certain points. And, and at, at, the, at those times, I wasn't necessarily ready. Um, and I do think with any type of addiction or abusive relationship with any substance, it's ultimately like you've got to want to make the change. Um, and sure. that was, yeah, I, I think, yeah, sort of early this year, I just decided, you know, I realized my life was going that way. And I very much wanted to be able to fulfill my potential. And for me, yeah, it, it did take having some meetings with my GP and um, my therapists and sort of working with my family and, and really opening up about just how bad things had gotten. Um, and yeah, really moving on to a, a path of sobriety um, with the support of my loved ones and, you know, medical professionals and therapy. And, and I have honestly haven't looked back. I think you just have so many more hours in the day, days in the week. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't actually really think about it at, at all much. I think it's, you know, I think it takes a little bit of time to get used to, but I like sober me so much more than drunk me. And I'm not sort of nervous. Oh, I love that so out. much. So you <laughs> said something in there that I'm really doing. intrigued me because I think anytime that we, and I'll, I'll speak for myself because I have found that when I'm really struggling with something, if I'm holding it all in and I'm just, you know, ruminating and, um, and I'm not sharing that, it just mm-hmm. goes worse and worse for me. And it sounds like mm-hmm. you were similar in that way. Cause you said mm-hmm. how communicating and, and really telling people what you were going through helped you. Can you speak a little bit about the importance of communication when mm-hmm. you're struggling? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it can be so hard for anyone to know what to say or what to do, particularly if you've been a bit closed off and maybe they've offered to help and it wasn't the right time yet. Um, And I think it, it was really scary at first to communicate, you know, to, to call my parents and say like, you know, I've had, I, I realize now I've had an issue with, with how I've been dealing with, with my life and how I've been trying to, trying to push down the pain and actually everything's just getting more and more painful and out of control. And it was sort of just, I sort of, my life felt out of control um, and I wasn't happy with who I'd become. And so that I was really fortunate that like, even though I had been perhaps not a, a, a consistent friend who was showing up as, as, you know, healthy male would for some of my friends, I'm so fortunate that, you know, some some important people in my life really stuck with me and persisted. And even though I might have, you know, made mistakes, and um, I think that you know we call it chosen family, um, particularly living abroad, because yeah. I don't have my mum and dad, and thankfully my brother lives in Berlin. But that you know, no one's in, in the same city as me, and so luckily I had um, you know people who felt like family. My you know even my boss at my job at the time was. Um, yeah, she could see my decline. I think maybe when you're in the addiction, you don't realize how just how um, unhealthy you look and you come across, and um, yeah. others others around you start to see that deterioration. And um, it, yeah, I think that being able to ask for help, and I will actually also say that my GP here in London, in the NHS, the sort of the the free healthcare service. 
she's been incredible. And so just sort of having safe spaces too that maybe weren't friends and family initially while I was trying to just become comfortable with with where I was at on my own. Um, so having those confidential outlets were critical. I think I had like three three therapists at a point in time. Wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and it's we hard, really- you know, it's hard to admit to yourself, you know, like when mm. I, I dealt with depression for several years, but I mm. never believed until the very end that I had depression because mm. that wasn't how I identified myself. And so it can be really hard to say, oh, this is what I've become, you know, this, yeah. or this is, you know, I, I am somebody now who I really am not internally, you know, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. but, and, but having that frank conversation with yourself is probably the hardest. Yes, exactly. And saying, you know, I admit I am powerless over whatever is going on or that my life is out of control. That is, you know, I thought that would be the moment that was rock bottom, but actually that was the first step towards getting better. Oh, I love that. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. It was. And it was, I remember being so nervous to call my mom and say, and you know, there's actually, there is, um, there's a little bit of alcoholism in my family. Her her father was um, an alcoholic and, and died, and uh, because of that, and also didn't they didn't ever have a good relationship because of that. And I could I always had in the back of my mind like I don't want her to have her you know have to go through that with her father and her brother actually, and then her daughter. Like that's right. you know that's not that's not how I want this to go. And I and I guess it's interesting. Again, I didn't realize how much people could really see how bad this was because I was like, Oh, but I'm hiding it. You know, I'm kind of secretly drinking, like no one will know. And of course people, yeah, again, like they, they're smart. They know you and they know that you're not really yourself, particularly because mine was quite compressed in really, you know, a year, one to two years, really one year where it was quite bad. And, um, yeah. And I just remember how proud they were just so my parents were so supportive, so proud and every single friend, Um, who I've really, you know, been vulnerable with about it has been nothing but but supportive. And you know, if 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 they're not, then they're obviously not the right, you know, the right people to have around you in in that next phase. And you've got right. to really prioritize yourself when you're kind of in the early stages of recovery. I love that. You know, and and just the value of having a supportive community around you. Mm. And and it doesn't matter if there are blood relatives or chosen Mm. relatives right Uh, you know it's because ultimately you get to choose who Mm. enters that space around you you know and and yeah I mean if you've got a supportive network like it's it makes all the difference in the world exactly and I, I would also say like there are so many um I don't I don't know so much about in the US, but in the UK, and I imagine it would be the case in the US, but there are so many free resources available. Like I think a lot of, like it's it's amazing. And I think you've just got to be ready. Like you've got to kind of say like, I I am not achieving my potential in life. We only get one life. It's flying by, you know, we're not getting any younger. And unfortunately with addiction, like it's like you're on an elevator uh, or in a lift and the only way it goes is down and it just gets worse. Right. Um, so this you can kind of get off that list. If, if, if it gets that bad for you, you know, um, then that's, you know, that that's ultimately the goal to try and kind yeah. of move, move, move in a healthier direction. Yeah. Well, and really that's 
I think it's Alcoholics Anonymous who, you know, the mm. first thing is admitting, right? And that really yes. is the door that opens up hope. Yes. You know? And it's, and that's yeah. how it was for me. You know, it's like, oh, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. This is yeah. who I've become. And do I want to stay that way? And if not, I'd better do something about it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think you realize like, when you're on the other side of it and I by no means judge anyone who drinks at all. Like I just very much, you know, think every, it's up to everyone to decide what sure. they put in their, their body. But so I don't want to come across as like preachy or anything, but um, I think the more you kind of realize it's actually a poisonous substance and it's a very harmful drug. And even the way like my skin and my hair and everything's bounced back the more and more months I have into sobriety. is That's fascinating. It's crazy to think. And like my body and everything just and my mind and um, energy and sleep and 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 so many th- and the quality of my connections. I think that even one week into sobriety, I remember thinking, "Oh my goodness, this okay." I'm already starting to feel the benefits. And I think sometimes something that makes it hard to think about taking those steps, if if that's a direction you think you sh- you know you want to go in for your health or that you need to go in, is oh, but it's going to take so long to you know feel the, the you know the good things. It's going to be so difficult right. for a long time. But actually with the right support and don't get me wrong it was I was climbing the walls at times when I was having to you know leave events really early and and just do what I needed to do to get through it but um yeah it it actually you know it didn't take that long to really start to feel some pretty pretty great benefits because it's it's such a, a destructive drug especially you know if you're having any more than like a glass of wine with dinner like it is it's it's really harmful to you and it's it's more and more you know it's rising in all the countries that I've lived in certainly but you know I think it's in the US um I was listening to a podcast the other day that it's it deaths by causes um of either alcohol addiction um or suicide which is often a result of of those sorts of issues are rising 30% year over year whereas cancers rising 3% year over year and it's it's it's, it's amazing a, it's it's crazy and yeah. and you know a lot of people are waking up to the um the effects of of just how bad drinking in excess um or even you know daily having one um can be and i think there's there's really it's a good time to to sort of be sober because there's such a sober curious movement. And I think there's a lot of respect that comes with it. And there are more and more great non-alcoholic drink options. I know we spoke about this when we caught up recently. Yes. And um, and that's certainly a, an idea that I would love to pursue and, and, you know, kind of explore that space to potentially move into it in the future. Um, but it's, yeah, I think there's, there's actually so many other other ways you can enjoy, you know, a, a drink that's non-alcoholic on a night out or at a dinner that's that's actually even more delicious because right. you're going to wake up clear-headed. You're drinking for future you. Well, <laughs> and I think the key is to know, and this is something that I would tell myself because I'm um, really, really love cookies and you know, like mm, sugary things. And, and I was really trying to like, separate myself from all of that, you know, cause we all have our Achilles heel. Right. Um, totally. and, yeah. and I just felt like I learned, I have a choice every day in every situation. I have a choice and I'm the one who gets to choose. Yeah. And, and when you're able to take that, I mean, that's power right there, yes. you know, is, is feeling like you have the capability 
to, yes. to make a choice, you know? And so I, I love, love, love that you were able to see something about yourself that you wanted to change and you went after it. I kind of feel like that's just kind of who you are. You know, it seems like you, you see something <laughs> and you go for it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I seem so to have I love loved that. To have, <laughs> totally. I love to take the, I guess the, the, the road less traveled or the, the slightly more difficult path if you were to be given the, the options, but you know, I think it's, that's just my journey and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it at all. And I think the, yeah, all of the people I've met along the way and the lessons I've learned um, are absolutely worth their weight in gold. And, and I also wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't change anything about my past and any of those dark times because out of, you know, you need to, you need the darkness to be able to see you the do. light. And you really yeah, do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, so how and, have you taken all of these moments of pain and mm-hmm. turned them into purpose? Yeah, I think, um, you know, certainly well, today's a good example. I, you know, I'm so passionate about, I think I, what got me also out of some of my darkest moments was hearing other people's stories. I was listening to so many podcasts. I was reading so many books. And that was even when I was still kind of in a bit of an, you know, a dark place with addiction, but I knew I wanted to get out. I just hadn't been able to do it yet. And so I was kind of building my path towards exiting that phase of my life. Right. And I think for me, um, you know, even if if one person listening to this gets one little nugget of hope, out of anything that we're talking about today, then that is turning pain into purpose. And, um, and I think there's, yeah, I suppose in a number of ways, like for me, something that maybe sounds trivial, but is, it was one of my biggest fears going sober is like, I, I love socializing. I don't want to stop going out and dancing, but I don't want the social pressure of like, oh, why aren't you drinking or just have right. one shot. Or I don't necessarily want to have to explain my story to a big group of you know, you know, my friends at the tennis club or whatever it may be. And so I, I decided, that's why I decided to pursue DJing was so I could have a purpose when I was kind of out. Oh, I out love and about that. And I could right. bring, you know, bring energy and kind of have that joy and still, you know, I still love going and chatting to people as well. But I think it's, it's been an amazing sort of transformation of how I experience nights out because I feel really respected and you feel like you're really contributing. And I would say the endorphin rushes um, and the dopamine high was greater than anything that alcohol would, would, would give me because it was like, Oh my gosh, I'm actually contributing and I've learned something. And that, that's what, yeah, I suppose that's what that growth really feels like. And it hasn't been easy. Like it's been a lot of lessons at the London sound Academy over the summer and I'm still very much a beginner and making mistakes, but I think, you know, just getting some little opportunities here and there and, um, and having, having fun with it and realizing like that's, that's one example of how I can turn something that was really painful and awkward. And I was like, I'm never going to go out and be fun again. Right. Into, no, actually I can be. And in an entirely different way and in a different sort of stratosphere than how it was before, because I, yeah, I used to be the one stumbling around, you know, a bit too drunk by the end of the night mm-hmm. on the dance floor. And now I can walk away, you know, feeling like I really respect myself and, and that I've been able to help provide, you know, fun time for people I love um, oh my and, and myself. <laughs> I love that so much. And I, you know, and something that I notice, you know, when you, you're going through a change like that, mm. everybody expects you to be the same right? Which is yes. where you're, you're going with the, the, 
being with your friends. And yet, mm. if you take a stand and you go, well, and this is how I'm going to make it different. Like there's, there's far more respect that comes from, yes. that, you know, yeah. rather than just conforming. I love that you totally didn't give up on your dream of being out and about and yeah. connected, <laughs> you know, you just yes. found a different way to connect. So yes. that's, and I think yes. that's so valuable. That's such good advice. I love that so much. I thank you, Brenda. And I think, you know, for me, the opposite of addiction is connection. And I don't know if I heard that in, in an AA meeting or if it was somewhere else, but it's so true. Like mm -hmm. the depth of my connections, my existing connections um, have only expanded and deepened and, and in such, you know, respectful, beautiful, dependable, reliable ways. Like I sort of feel like, you know, I'm single at the moment, so I don't necessarily have that support from a partner, but I feel like I've got this solar system of, you know, different people who I can really rely on and who can rely on me. And um, yeah, I think that the the other piece would just be the, you know, the, the great new people that you bring, you know, bring and attract into your life who maybe are also in recovery or maybe they're not. And they're just people who respect the, the you that's showing up in the world that you wouldn't have met otherwise and who are kind of really helping you know, this being a great example, like really helping expand each other on our journeys. And I think that's that's really what, what I'm all about and where I sort of want to take my life is to make sure I'm, you know, having fun along the way, but achieving my potential. I think I was not achieving my potential, you know, when I was in the grips of, of my addiction. And um, I think there's so much out there to, to explore and to give and turn, yeah, turn pain into purpose, but also, you know, continue to to grow and thrive as a result you know individually as, of, of all you've been through and how much depth of character you can develop and, and how much compassion you can have for others and you know really really hear them and, and see them when someone else is going through something and be a sort of source of wisdom um yep. that that through all of all of those experiences Oh my goodness. Well, I think I could talk for three more hours minimum. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> and I, like, I, I honestly like you're in the UK and I'm in the US and I'm like, oh, there's too big of an ocean and land between us. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, what? I'm coming to the US for, for work in January. So maybe we'll be able to tee up the time. I know it's a very that big would country. Be, but... <laughs> that would be super fun. I would really, really love to meet you in person. This was just absolutely lovely. I, I so Thank admire you, you for going after what you want, uh, not only in your career, but who you want to be as a person and how you want to show up in this world. It, it's just very admirable. And it takes a lot of work. You know, I, I think people, mm -hmm. oftentimes we, we look at another person and we go, oh, it's got to be so easy <laughs> to be that person. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, and it, it just isn't, it, it just is not, it takes work to yeah. show up in the world in a way in which that's authentic to you. Yeah. And, but it's so worth it. So, so worth it. So well, thank you so much for, for having me on Brenda. I, yeah, same back to you. It's a pleasure to, you know, have, have learned a little bit more about your journey and thank you so much for this opportunity. And I've loved our conversation. So thank you for, you know, starting this podcast. I think it's such a, an inspiring platform to be able to share with others. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And we will have to do it again another time. Yes, so thank please. you. I appreciate it. So, <laughs> thank so you. For, oh, wait, well, before we go, I wanted to let yes. all of our listeners know if they want to contact you, how can yes. they do that? And I will put that in the show notes. 
Yes. Um, so on Instagram or on, um, I'm, I would be happy to share my email. Instagram's probably easier, um, but I will, yeah, at, at Mel and Ball Biscuit. And I'm very happy to share my email as well. So I will pop that over so to I'm you. I'm going to say that slowly. Melon Ball Biscuit, right? You know what? Yes. And okay. so that was actually, I used to nanny these kids when I was in uni and um, they would call me Melon Ball. And, you know, Mel was taken on Instagram. So right. it, it just, it became, it became my brand. <laughs> <laughs> so please I yeah that. I love you know I'm I'm not necessarily um super active in what I post but I love to connect with other like-minded people and I yeah send me a dm if there's anything you've heard today that resonated I'd love to chat I love that well and I and I do hope that our listeners got something out of this conversation and you know just uh, hope is there I I think that's the ultimate message hope is there Always. and it is possible to be who you were meant to be. And I hope everybody listening remembers that. So thank you very much, Melissa. And for those who are listening, remember that your purpose is in your story. You can find it. It's there always because you are you. And until next time, take care. Bye. Celebrate your dreams. Let them take flight for you are a star. Shining bright in every step